What's happening, weirdos? Hey, what's happening, weirdos? Hey. We made a weird 41. Wow. More like 40 fun. 40 fun. (laughs) Um, Wow, 41. That's a lot. It is a lot. This is fun. And and I I know we always say this is a great one, but we loved this one. Yeah, we loved this one. We loved this one. I think we're just getting better and better. (laughs) OMG, Zum Crow. If you love this podcast and want to show your support, it sincerely, sincerely helps us out if you try one of the Pete's Picks. It's a great way to indirectly uh, support Val. Just Val. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Val's the, hungry. And the show. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the first Pete's Pick is a newer Pete's Pick, and I'm so excited to be working with Ned & Co. Ned is a wellness brand rooted in the belief that we can all feel better and live better through simple means and a deeper connection to the natural world. Ned is a purveyor of incredibly high-quality, clean-tasting CBD. As you guys know, I love CBD, and I love Ned & Co., CBD. They are so intentional about their entire process. They find the best growers on the best farms in Colorado. They have third-party lab reports uh, for the people who grow their hemp. They watch. The, they monitor the cold extraction process. Even the, the the guy that grows it. They told me on a call. He plays the plant's music. They're working with worm beds, all these things to make the soil nutritious and perfect. It's not 150 acres of GMO corn and a little corner of of hemp. These guys are serious about where they source their CBD. They sent me a bunch of it, and I was surprised that it was just CBD and just a a smidge, a sprinkle of MCT oil, which is uh, beneficial to your body as by itself. But it means it tastes super clean. There's no flavoring. There doesn't need to be any flavoring. I took it the other day. There are certain days when I wake up and I'm just like, nope. <laughs> and CBD is the, the super plant, super power that takes me over that hump. It doesn't get you high. It doesn't get you stoned. I just find it to be very mood elevating and stress reducing. I call CBD my happy juice. It just helps me merge and agree and uh, surrender in the good way into whatever it is I'm trying to do. If that's relax, it's easier to relax. If that's work, it's easier to focus and drop in on what you're trying to work on. They also sent us their incredible new magnesium super blend, which is appropriately called Mellow because Mellow helps me mellow out. I take it at night before bed. It's a huge game changer. Apparently, like something like 70% of Americans are deficient in magnesium. It might even be higher than that, but it's a huge amount of Americans are, are deficient in magnesium. I'm bl- very sure that I was one of them. And magnesium supports over 300 functions in the body. Not only does it help me sleep when I want to sleep, but just like CBD, it helps me focus and be productive if that's what I'm trying to do. So I took it, I put some in my tea just before this podcast, and I think you'll hear my energy level and my focus was very high and wonderful. Uh, So if you want to try either of these plant medicines that are incredibly wonderful, go to helloned.com slash weird or enter weird at checkout for 15% off your first time purchase or or your first one-time purchase or 20% off your first subscription order. That's helloned.com slash weird. Or enter 
Weird. <laughs> At checkout. I like that you say weird. Weird. Yeah. 15% off your first one-time purchase and 20% off your first subscription order. Thank you, Ned and Co., for your support of this show. Yeah, you can... That you rhymed. Can. Did it? Thank you, Ned and Co., for your support of this show. Oh, mama, you're the best. <laughs> also... You're the best, and my best, I was just, okay, so Iris is here watching the baby, that's how we were able to record, Mm -hmm. and before that, I was sitting in the hammock, looking at a tree, listening to podcasts and talks from Terrence McKenna for hours with my ultimate ear earbuds, my UE Fits. These are my new earbuds. They are incredible. They come as sort of like a uh, non-specific blob shape. You put that in your ear. It uses this purple light LED that heats up that plastic. And you're not going to believe it, but it's true. Forms earbuds based on the shape of your ear. Yeah. You don't have to go in for some fancy consultation. No doctors need to be involved. You put these things in that fit okay, and it warms up and bro- sort of like when you roll up a, a, an earplug and put it in your ear and it kind of fills up your mm-hmm. ear. That's what these do, making perfect fitting earbuds in less than 60 seconds or about 60 seconds. Uh, it's wonderful if you're listening to podcasts. They have great sound if you're listening to music. UE Fits are the world's most comfortable earbuds, premium sound, all day comfort. As I mentioned, you get a perfect fit in 60 seconds. UE Fits will stay put when you're on the go, but feel ultra comfortable so you can wear them all day long without pain or discomfort. They use groundbreaking light form technology. UE Fits mold to the unique contours of your ear. Put them in, connect to the app, and watch. You can literally watch in the mirror. The purple LEDs form the earbuds to your unique ear shape. With eight hours of continuous playback on a single charge, and another thing I love is they find the phone instantly. You put them in, and they're already connected. Uh, A single charge and up to 20 hours with the charging case. UE Fits are the perfect... Are, for, are perfect for listening to your favorite shows like this one all day long. Built on industry-leading expertise trusted by pro musicians and hi-fi enthusiasts for over 25 years, engineered to provide a full, warm sound with a tight, punchy, low end, and you can set custom EQ presets through the UE Fits app as well. Play and pause music or answer calls with the built-in controls and use the app to set custom actions like voice assistant, volume adjustment, and more. Before UE Fits, you'd have to spend thousands of dollars and schedule a frustrating, time-consuming procedure if you wanted premium sound and a custom molded fit. But now you can get earbuds that are precisely fit to your ears in 60 seconds for a fraction of the price. If you love, if you try them and you don't love them as much as I do... Don't worry, they offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. Plus, you get free shipping, free returns, and a one-year warranty. A one-year warranty. For a limited time, get 15% off and show your support of the show. 15% off your pair of UE Fits True Wireless Earbuds at ue.com slash fits. Just use promo code WEIRD at checkout. That's 15% off with promo code WEIRD at ue.com slash fits. And show your support of this show. Last but not least is Liquid IV, the hydration multiplier. Value we're just talking about this. Yeah, hit it. I'm loving the new tangerine flavor. Ooh, Ooh, so good. Flaming lips. I really like, I had one uh, cocktail the other night, Hmm. and I'm just like such a lightweight because I never drink alcohol, and I just knew. To come home and immediately down a glass of liquid IV. Yep. And it was 
it instantly made me feel normal and I woke up feeling great. And well, they I- have thousands of testimonials that say they really help with hangovers. Uh, it's a great way to jumpstart the day, clear headspace, give energy. And if you're drinking alcohol or starting to feel sick, that's yes. been a wonderful thing for me as well. Yeah. And for me, I, I actually was just saying this to you in conversation the other day, like liquid IV is so perfect for me because I often don't realize that I'm dehydrated until I'm already feeling like nauseous and have a headache. Yeah. So it gets so it has to get so bad for me. So by the time I realize that I'm dehydrated, I really need to hydrate very quickly. And that's what this does. Yep. One stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water gets you two to three times the amount of hydration as plain water alone. It can, how does it do it? It contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. Suck it, banana. Healthier than <laughs> sugary sports drinks. There's no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. It's made with clean ingredients, non-GMO, vegan. There's no gluten dairy or soy and what makes it work is cellular transport technology the optimum ratio of glucose sodium and potassium delivers water and nutrients right into the bloodstream the perfect balance to help you hydrate more quickly and more effectively than water alone and they're also on a mission to change the world the company is donating four million servings in response to covid19 Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. I can speak from experience. When we got the vaccine, I was worried about getting sick. Mm-hmm. I drank so much liquid IV. Uh, I, I, it carried me through. Yep. I, I just, one thing I knew, I didn't have to worry about being hydrated, which is what everybody told me to do. Liquid IV has donated over 10 million servings globally. So... Grab your liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use promo code WEIRD at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when and get better hydration today using promo code WEIRD, weird at liquidiv.com and show your support of this podcast. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. I can't believe it's been 41 and it was awesome. It was a great one. Get into it. I feel like you're extra salty today. Well, everybody drink some water. I'm extra salty today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think that's true. I know what you mean. You've been teasing. You've been teasing over here. Sending some teases this way. Lord teases? Yeah. Lord teases. <laughs> this guy's teasing me a lot. Teases. Christ. Teases. Is there a word? You know what I mean. <laughs> what song should we start with? I think like we already started. Time, no, I know, but like, but we have, but that's so funny. <laughs> like, I'm not stoned, but I'm having like a lot of like stoned thoughts. Mm-hmm. And there is the start of the podcast, but we have this cultural understanding that then there's another start, like the start of the song. Like when you start a show... The show starts when you're, like, getting your seed and there's the music playing. Uh That's really the start, but then there's the start within the start. Yeah, but what you're, you, you, we don't usually start with the song. No, I know, but. You do sometimes. No, you're absolutely right. And also, to the listeners, the theme song is already played. I just had coffee with Reggie, who sings our theme song. I know you know. No, yeah, I know. I know. Why are you? <laughs> we could, why are you telling me this? We could be doing that to each other all the time on this podcast. That's I know. I know. Why are you? Let's play a Reggie song. Yeah, let's play a Reggie song. We'll play a Reggie. We'll play Reggie's most popular song because that's always the best one. 
Reggie is so great. Yeah, I just wanted to report that he's even better than advertised. He's the best. By that I mean even better than I remember him. He's just consistently as good. So like some people come off or they like have a persona and then they're different, yeah. you know? Yeah. He just is exactly what you if you watch his special, you're like daydreaming about getting to hang out with Reggie Watts. It would exactly be exactly Yep. Yeah. It would be exactly what you want it to be. Uh, meaning he's kind, he's funny. And he's super talented, and here's Fuck Shit Stack. I'm not surprised it's his most popular song. I know this one. <laughs> I just like that last time we started with a song that, like, shit. oh, shit. It shifted the energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Woke us up a little bit. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> it's, it's impossible to tell if it's me or Reggie. Adjective. You know I mean? Adjective. Pronoun. <laughs> Adverb. Run on and on and on. Where am I? Where am I, Jared? That? Shit, motherfucker, ass tits, cunt, cock, motherfucker, shit, ass tits, motherfucker, shit. Come on. Shit, motherfucker, ass tits, motherfucker, shit, ass tits, motherfucker, shit. Come on. This is what I'm about. Put it up on the wall. This is what I'm about. You take that shit up off of the wall. Put it down on the floor in a glass bowl. You take some buck. Put it up on the wall where the shit used to be. You take that buck up off of the wall. Okay, we can't just play. Then it's his podcast. I really wish it were. I know. And when we hung out, first of all, we had such a great. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's. I wish I were. Wish I were, yeah. You said was. I wish it were. I said. I'm often wrong about it. I said I wish it were, and then I said I wish it was. Because I've been corrected. My yeah, whole life I've enjoyed correcting, correcting people. people. Yeah. Yep. That's embarrassing that you know that. Well, it feels nice to be naked in front of your partner, spiritually, psychologically <laughs> speaking. <laughs> See? Would it's I have not, sung that song? Was... Oh, <laughs> no, don't go. It's not that no, easy. I thought you were going to say that and then you didn't and now I no, feel No, like no, no. It's okay. I really thought you were going to be like, "See, it's not, it's not that, that easy. easy." I one time did a show with Reggie mm-hmm. and I kept going like, "See, I can do." And I'd say to him, he was in the front row. I can do it. Anyone can do it. And it was really it was really a treat. I did a show just the other night for a bunch of people who were trainers, mm-hmm. and I, you were there. Mm-hmm. And I opened with, "You guys work out. You look just like me. <laughs> I don't work out. You look. You, who's fucking smart here?" <laughs> oh, here's another little piece of big bars, bars. <laughs> oh my god, that worked out that perfectly. Fantastic. That worked Great out timing. perfectly. I love it so much. I mean, He's just joy. Even He's before just a joy. I He's a joyful. knew you and before I met Reggie, I loved his special. I, I just like, it's exactly what I'm into, which is just like pure silliness. Pure silly. Just silly well, so for the I think sake of silly. Maybe I told you somebody, we, we had two specials come out at the same time, Reggie and I, who I keep meaning to say this. 
he would wave and talk to everybody mm-hmm. in the way that most people, friendly, open-hearted people, or that's not fair. A lot of people wave and are happy to see babies. Mm-hmm. Reggie appears to be that way about everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, it's weird. I don't want people that hang out with me to feel like they're going to be reported on. <laughs> yeah. But I'm only... But only if you're an extra special dude. (laughs) Well, when you hang out with somebody where you're like, fuck, man, I guess, like, it's always my hope is that you spend enough time trying to raise your vibration, open your mind, let the light in. It's nice to see somebody ahead of me in that regard. This is why it's so nice to hang out with Rob, Rob Bell from time to time, or, or whoever it might be. But Reggie is... Definitely just, you know, he's not on a religious trip. He's he's just, it's just being done with him. I'm not going to yeah. say to him. Yeah. He's participating. Yeah. With music, with art, with whatever he's up to. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's working. It's really fun to see. Yeah. And that's like encouraging to me. Yeah. Because as you and I were always talking about the remembering and the forgetting. And one of the best things for remembering is hanging out with somebody who's remembering. Mm-hmm. Although I was just talking to my brother about how what a burden it can be. And I was so touched that he related to this when I meet somebody and my sine wave is up Mm. and I'm my best self Mm -hmm. and I hug them and I'm literally almost like I'm on drugs, like enamored with them and love their shoes and like (laughs) think their Mm -hmm. name is cool. And then I might make plans to hang out with that person. Mm -hmm. And then on that day, I don't feel like that guy. And this is like one of the lonely, weird things that tends to run in the Holmes bloodline, which is like, we distrust, like, of course you loved my best self. And now I live in fear that you won't like my real Mm. self. It's okay. That's a sweet, I appreciate it. The reason I say it's okay is because even this admission is the working on it. Right. Meaning, I now have you, I have Mike Birbiglia, I have the Gungers, I have people now, a pretty good bench mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, and the people that aren't on that bench, it's probably my fault. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The, w- what I'm saying is the bench is people that will accept me and enjoy a lunch with me, even if I'm not like, spoons are great, a flattened out fork that yeah. gently delivers food. We yeah. should be eating spoons. Like... First of all, that's not even everybody's favorite beat. Like, I think I'm not even clear on what people like about me. Mm -hmm. And then if you dig deep enough, you get to a place where you're like, well, nobody really likes me. Mm. You know what I mean? That that's I I don't really believe that, but I think somewhere deep down, Mm -hmm. if a lot of us look, there might be a feeling. Mm. I don't know how we got here, but here we are. No, I I really think that's valuable and interesting. I'm sure you're not the only one that feels that. I guess that's why I brought it up. Yeah. Is when I said it to my brother and he related Mm -hmm. that the best self makes plans that the less than best self has to follow through with. Yeah. And that was the pattern of stand-up. That's this weird way that my... I'll say damage because I I find it empowering to consider it damage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The way that my damage informed my stand-up life Mm -hmm. was that stand-up is all about making plans when you're high, when you're Mm -hmm. feeling powerful, and then following through with them when you're feeling low. Yeah, that's. I think that's what Mm -hmm. I would say the job of being a stand-up comedian is. Yeah. Until at a certain point, you you do it for twenty years, and I can you know go and do a show and I can surrender more like. If it goes great or it doesn't go great, it's less about me than I'd even like to think it is. Yeah. But the first 10 years, at least, is like 
someone asks you and you're feeling confident or maybe you're just faking confidence and they're like do you want to do this weird outdoor trailer park show and you're like yeah Mm -hmm. and then as you're driving there you're just like fuck no which is why i gravitate towards other comedians who tend to be like anxious Mm. like if you don't want to talk about how bad the show could go i don't really want to hang out with you (laughs) which i don't think you'd necessarily Mm -hmm. guess from listening to me or knowing me you'd be like i bet you're a guy that's like this is gonna go great and I'm like, actually, one of the ways that I make it go great is I really lower my expectations. Yeah. Well, and it is interesting because I've seen this happen before where you are wanting, you are saying things to the other comedians about, like, this audience sounds terrible. This isn't going to be good. Yeah. And, like, it, I know that that makes you, like you just said, that makes you feel safer about it. Yeah. But you can, even you, I know, can see, like, how that might be the exact opposite way that somebody gets psyched up to do a show. Yeah. I get psyched down. Yeah. I psych myself down to do a show. Yeah. Not always. Mm-hmm. But often the ones that I psych myself up for, like, I've said this a million times, I want to go up on stage at a deficit and win it back mm. on stage. And I could imagine how, like, if I were doing it. I would have to feel like I was super empowered and not at a deficit mm. to even to even like do anything. Like I I would have to feel like I'm I'm going to show you guys how good I am at this, which I guess you're still doing if you're at an- Yeah. It also re- yes. And I think this is important. If it's my show, Mm-hmm. I go to Chicago, I'm playing a theater, I'm like, it's going to be fucking great. Yes. But I'm talking about, like, you're dropped in... I was just talking to Greg Fitzsimmons and Ian Edwards and Laura Bites about this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so much of comedy is this interruption. We were talking about shows where they turn off the TVs, uh-huh. people groan, uh-huh. or they stop the dancing. Mm-hmm. Or I think in Greg's case, they stop the stripping or maybe it was Ian's story, to bring out a comedian yeah. that no one wants. Yes, it was Ian's story. Even if it's not that extreme, so much of comedy feels like that. It's mm-hmm. like this interruption that you have to justify, even if it is a comedy night. Yeah. It's like the comedy, the bad comedy is interrupting their hope of good comedy. Yes. So you have to like prove that it's good comedy. I just don't... So mo- like, if it's my show and it's something special for me, I'm like, it'll probably be great. But that that airdrop into a random situation, mm-hmm. Lara has always been such a great touchstone for me that I can just I can count on her to be like, this is going to be weird. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, it sure is. Mm-hmm. And then it's not. And then we're like, I knew we could do it. You know, yeah. <laughs> like afterwards, yeah, it's like afterwards, it's a different person. I love it. It's such a, it's so interesting to get to see the behind the scenes of like what it takes to psychologically do something so brave. Mm. Like it's, it isn't as simple as like, I just like it. So I do it. And I, I think maybe it is for some people like Fred Armisen or Reggie. It is? No, that's, those are great examples. <laughs> I like, I just like to be silly with my friends and I want to show people that. And yep. that's so beautiful. But it's, most it's, of yep. the comedians we know are working with some deep psychological, 
like manipulation to be able to do what they do. You want to set it up in a way that's like psychologically familiar. Yeah. One of the other things that I've been thinking a lot lately where my dad texted me that he was like, why don't we all take a family vacation <laughs> this summer? And I had to think of a gentle way to be like, I, I, I didn't know how to respond. Yeah. But I, I didn't think we had time and it just didn't feel quite right. Yeah. I used to go on vacation with my family, with my first wife. And yeah. that sort of, I don't know, it just made it more complicated than it probably even actually is. Mm-hmm. But it, I sort of made a choice. I was like, I don't think that's right. Like a week mm-hmm. with my family. And you know what's funny? If I was talking to my dad, if it hadn't been a text, we could laugh about that. Yeah. yeah. But the reason I mention it was I had to do the work on it. I texted him back, which was like kind of an elegant and I thought gentle way of being like, I don't, I don't think it's going to work out. But I think I literally said like, Thank you so much. It makes me feel so loved that you would want to do that, which is true. Yeah. And this is why I bring it up. Is I really want to step out a little bit of what I got from doing Byron Katie's The Work. Mm-hmm. It's it's so helpful to just be honest, going like, I am disappointing my dad. Yeah. Like you see your brain playing these games, being like, I don't have to do that. I don't have to do anything. Like it's this like anger uh, costume you yeah. put on that's hiding your scared child and your and your true self and the more you can just get honest and go like no i can see by the way he just didn't reply mm-hmm. which by the way means nothing mm-hmm. but a, a, a child will me will go i'll tailspin a little bit if i'm not really careful yeah and i did tailspin <laughs> a little bit being like he's probably angry and all that stuff so i did the work and i was like I'll, I'll, I'll skip the first couple times I did. This is Byron Katie's The Work. Everybody that listens regularly knows this. It's four questions. Is it true? Do I absolutely know it's true? How does it make me feel when I believe that it's true? How would I feel if I didn't believe that it was true? And then you do the turnaround. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain that a little bit. But like what I did was after a few few tries of doing it, separate days, separate sessions, I finally got to like some core beliefs like, it's not okay to disappoint my dad. <laughs> yeah. Like, is that true? Like, people disappoint each other. Like, yeah. there was the reason I'm bringing this up is that's a mitzvah. I yes. feel like I'm sharing a gift yep. to myself. Mm-hmm. And when I have these epiphanies, I like talking about them on this podcast because I know people are out there that know what it's like to have their world rocked mm-hmm. by a pretty simple text. That you narrativize and turn into a big issue. Mm-hmm. I slept bad on my shoulder and I have stress in my shoulder. I ate pizza the other night. Stress eating, like medicating, all of these from a text, yeah. from an innocuous and kind of nice text. Yeah. So I have to do it. Yeah. And the more freedom came from the more free I was, meaning the hard facts. Mm. You are disappointing him. Mm. Is that Okay. Yeah. Are you safe right. to disappoint him? Right. And when you come to the conclusion, yeah, you can disappoint someone. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Yeah. I'm I, like, I can say I'm sorry and mean it. Mm-hmm. And what you said, which was perfect, which the best response is, I wish we could. You yes. know, like, I wish we could not just yeah. have the time, but like, I wish we could have this sort of idyllic vacation that I think we're both imagining. Yes. And when I imagine it that way, I'm like, wow, I really wish we could. Yeah. Like I do. So I'm sort of, I'm sort of disappointed too. Yeah. But then the, the, the third or fourth time I did the work on it, I came to the belief that how other people feel about me defines me. 
Yes. Which I know we've circled that drain many times. Mm -hmm. But if there is a bigger beast on my back, I don't know its breath. (laughs) I I don't know the smell of its breath. That is the biggest beast on my back, Mm -hmm. which is... Why do I have a painful neck right now? Why am I eating pizza? Yeah, yeah. Because I think that if someone isn't not only happy with me, mm-hmm. not only respectful or aware of me, mm-hmm. but they need to be like blown away by how amazing I am. Mm-hmm. They invite me on a trip. I put up a boundary and say like, I don't, basically I'm saying like, I don't think that's something I want to do yeah. in code. Yeah. In like a very effusive, like, hey, dad, three exclamation points. Thanks so much for the offer emoji. Like, it's yes. like all this like smoke yeah. screen that I know yeah. he sees through, yeah. but I don't feel safe enough to just be like, I don't think that's something I want to do right now, but I really appreciate the offer. Yeah. That leads to pain in my neck. That leads to eating a pizza. And that leads to a feeling of like, fuck, I'm not even in control of my life, which leads to more fear of time with my parents. When you hang out with, with people that a text or a comment or a thing will literally have real life ramifications, implications for me, meaning weight gain, meaning yeah. pain in my body, yeah. better, worse sleep. None of this is their fault, by the way. Yeah, right. This is how I, uh, a still partially unresolved child, interprets what, as the, the work points out, very well may be innocuous, well-meaning even friendly gestures. Yeah. It doesn't even matter. Of course I'm scared. Yes. Of course I'm putting up boundaries. And of course I wish I could. I wish I could be the Pete that would just let things roll off his back and just be like, what? Who cares? Yeah. I'm eating a sandwich right now. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But I go in cloaked in phantoms of the past and yes. overanalyzing. Everything they say is a text. Everything yeah. they say is a text. Yeah. And it leads to... A Pete that thinks he needs to distance himself, and he may be right. I'm sort of b- betting that he's right, going like, it's best to limit. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they feel. I, I doubt my dad is like, you know, when I talk to my son, I end up, I, the next couple of days, I eat more. Yeah. I don't know if he's if that's well, his experience. I'm not sure if, he, if the awareness piece would be there, even if that was it. He's not as navel-gazy, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to share the distillation of that you know, sort of very benign interaction that led to real life problems that led to, is it okay to disappoint someone? That's what DGP would say. He'd be like, is it okay to disappoint someone? And my shrouded in bullshit answer would be no. Yes. (laughs) You can't. You can't. It feels like death. Tell me everything you thought of that because you're... A genius. Yeah, right. And you're wise. No, we... I'm not going to say beyond your years, but right up to your years. <laughs> I'm 32-year-old You're wise. 32 wise. JK, <laughs> beyond your years. You caramel cream. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Never okay. called her that before. Nope. Never going to do it again. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just... We've talked about it so much on the podcast, uh, but I really think it's so relatable, so it, it bears repeating... But I relate to all of that so much. And we were driving in the car, I think, the day that you texted your dad that. And you were really worried about it. We went to the movies. Yeah, we went to the movies for the first time. We saw Cruella. It's fantastic. Like, we both thought it would be... 
Just like a fun little thing. Like a fun way to break the, the don't say hymen, break the ice <laughs> of going back to the movies. Yeah. Some people, like I saw Science Mike tweeted that he went back and saw A Quiet Place 2. Yeah. He was like, it was good, but I don't know if Quiet Place 2 on IMAX <laughs> was the right way to like gently, because it is, going to the movies, we forget. I mean, yeah. going to a movie theater yeah. is a trip. Yeah. You sit in darkness as the, the anonymous observer and your entire consciousness for two hours I was Cruella. Yeah. And you do oh, it. Oh yeah. You go, Oh, I'm so mad at this and that and you're like, and Oh, am I gonna so powerful. I'm so powerful. <laughs> I, well, look how sexy and fun I am. And you are taken over by a movie. It is a small psychedelic trip. It's yeah. why we like it. Yep. It's why we like it. So uh, I'm agreeing with Mike McCargue. I always say it wrong. It's McCarg. anyway, McCarg. I think it's McCarg. Oh yeah, it's McCarg. It's McCarg. That it was because of his tweet that I was like, "Let's go see Cruella." Neither of us expected it to be. Well, I'm going to say ten out of ten, fantastic. Ten out of ten, fantastic. That was 10 so out of- good. And like worth seeing on the big. If you're if you've read Existential Kink or you've heard us talk about it, where I feel like it's so existential kink. It's very existential. It's very much kink. like using your wounds as your to like bring them to light and using that as your power. It's very much like you embracing said. your shadow self. It's everything. Because I didn't like the Joker. It's everything the Joker should have been. It was the opposite of the It was the, the anti-Joker. Anti-Joker. Is what you said. Because it is about a damaged person who alchemizes their trauma, not into good. She's yeah. still a, a wicked little... <laughs> a wicked little thing. <laughs> She's Born a wicked little thing. Bad. Yeah. She's still bad. Yeah. And I know it's a Disney movie, so it's sort of stupid to compare them. But like the Joker just left me going like, oh man, I guess we should dig a bunker in the backyard because the world is horrible Mm -hmm. and Cruella instead shone a light inside of me that was saying your demons and your traumas and your wounds are part of the a part of you yeah and making peace with them and incorporating them Mm -hmm. and sharing them and reflecting them is part of the human experience not just like uh, going on a talk show and shooting someone in the face. I mean, yes. I'm just like, yep. I always think of Robert De Niro doing his best. He's got a very old body to fling his head back oh, in, a, in a dead motion. <laughs> um, I don't yeah. care if I spoil that movie, by the way. I, I hope I ruin it for everyone. Yeah. The, the Joker. The Joker. Yeah. No. But definitely go see Cruella. I loved it. Um, anyway, so we were, we went to a bookstore and then we went to the movie Um and I think when we were driving home, we were talking about this text from your dad. And I said, I was like, like, there are actual people on this planet who could, and I'm sure there are some listening now, who could do something where they are perceiving that they've let, let's not even say your one of your parents down. Just but let, let someone let down. Let someone down, anyone down. Yeah. And is like, doesn't feel it. Is like, yeah, that's their, they'll get over it. That's yeah. their, that's their business. That's not my business. I feel it just, we were just talking about somebody who doesn't feel fear or pain. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Somebody was like, or... I gave birth and I, I, it didn't really bother me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they studied this woman. Mm-hmm. That woman phenomenon, I, I see people, you know, Neil Brennan is sensitive underneath it all, but he doesn't seem to have as much of a problem as I do. Yeah. Letting, just speaking his truth. Yeah. Hey, I, do you want to do that? Uh, not really. 
And, and we love Neil. Like, you love yes. it. Yes. Yeah. We love it, especially when we come across somebody who has, like, who is like that because yeah. it's all it's all inspiring. You're like, so you can not let this completely destroy you. And it's honest. Like we yeah. love like I don't know. If you like honesty, then you probably love honesty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you'd rather stay getting the, the scripts of the play printed out every day. Yeah. And here's what you say if you really mean this, which is what most of us are doing most of the time. Yes. Maybe you don't love it. But if you love it, you really love it. And I want to be clear that it is different. What we're talking about is very different from, like, I don't give a fuck what people think about me. I just don't. Like, like people, it's kind of a something that's associated with Enneagram 8s, too, where it's almost like you care, you care and your defense for that is to act like you don't care or to be mad and like yeah. do it in an aggressive way like i like if you're upset with me i don't i don't give a fuck what you think about me it's not that it's not that this is like I there's see no that anger I've disappointed you yeah and... there's no anger or aggression it's very equanimous it's just like it's like that uh, SNL sketch, like, don't have sex with my daughter. Okay, I hear you. We will. Yeah. Like, it's so like that. Funny. It's like, we, we will. will, though. We are going no, to. No, no, no. I'm saying don't have sex with my daughter in my honor. And it's like, uh, no, okay, no, we, yeah. we get that. Yeah. But we're going to. We are. We're going to. It's that level of dispassion. Yes. That is really. Yeah. It can be sort of scary to people that are used to, like, no, you have to. Mm-hmm. You have to take my feelings super seriously. Yeah. And, and you have to take what you're saying super seriously. And some people are just like, no, I, I only pour whole milk. <laughs> like, I know you're over there skimming your milk. Yeah. Buddy, I'm cream. Like, you just get cream. <laughs> yeah. Most people are half and half at best. <laughs> but yeah. I, um,. Yeah, so that sounds really liberating. I I really would love to get to a point where I can. I don't think I will. I think the best I can do is have a moment where I let feel like I've let someone down. Really feel let my child self feel how scary that is and then just nurture my child self and let let her know that she's safe even if this person decides that they don't want me in their lives, you know, like, right. Um, no, it's a fiery it energy. A, it's a scary thing. Yeah. I think it will be a practice probably for the rest of my life, just because this is such a deeply rooted belief that again, that a hundred percent of the people have to be a hundred percent happy with me a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Uh, or like my self-worth, but it's not, I, it's not necessarily my self-worth. It's your identity. I would say it's... It's my identity. Yeah, I would say it's my identity. I start to die. My idea of myself starts to vanish if if I break it. Yes, that's definitely it for me, too. Which is so stupid. But that... Yeah, absolutely. And I think there is a safety element. It's like... It's more about safety than worthy. Because I do think that I am worthy of love inherently. But if I can't get other people to see that, yeah, then I don't feel safe. I and I've said this on the podcast before too. When excuse me, when I've really sat with this, like in therapy, and my therapist basically asked, "Is it okay to disappoint people? Like, what will happen if you don't?" It's a great or question. If you do disappoint yeah. someone, 
it's gone down to like my child self feels too small for this world. And so when I'm identified with my child self, I think I have to please everyone so that they will take care of me and protect me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I told this to Byron Katie. It was a dream or a vision, you know, just, you know, not like a vision, not like a mystical quest, but like a, a meant a daydream yeah. that my like my father's so big, he'll eat me, you yeah. know, like he'll pick me up and he'll eat me. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it doesn't always work. I, I, I want to talk about like the kink thing, too. Mm. And what you just said, because when I was feeling this like, oh, God, I've, I've let him down. Yeah. And I'm a I'm a bad son. I'm a bad person and all this stuff. I did did remember it, it, if that was 30 seconds, I remembered on second 27. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. This is what we're constantly talking about. Mm-hmm. Can you just observe the feeling? Mm-hmm. And can you even find a part of you that kind of gets a rush out of it? Yeah. And brother, have a peach handy. I did. Yeah. Like, totally. Yeah. I, and there was a moment when I was, this was like a closed eye meditation and just like a nagging, you know, like a, a one flat tire. It would come into my consciousness over mm-hmm. and over like this thing yeah. that I had made a big thing out of. And still kind of am making a big thing out of. But like, and I would just go like, okay, there it is. There's the feeling Mm. of being a disappointment. Mm -hmm. And I said, almost out loud, I go, it's exquisite. Yeah. And it was. That's so Cruella. It is. It is (laughs) Cruella. It's exquisite. It is exquisite. (laughs) Well, what did we like? There was a moment, no spoiler, but there's a moment in Cruella where they're like, you're not being very nice to me. And she's like, I don't have time, darling. Like, it's like, and we, we, again, uh, in this day and age, I feel like the devil wears Prada lady would be immediately mean tude. She'd be mean tude. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, I'm all for a, a kinder, gentler world. Mm-hmm. I just, I, we need to remember that these, these people mm. are compelling because I think they remind us of the energies inside of us. Mm-hmm. It's like an as above, so below sort of situation. Yeah. And oh, this, this feels interesting. I don't know if it's as interesting as it feels to me. We can't cancel our inner demons. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So that's what makes like sort of complex. And I'm, this is not in defense of anybody. Please don't read into what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm just offering that the reason why someone like the Devil Wears Prada mean boss Mm -hmm. is so interesting and compelling is because it's a reflection of an energy inside of us and that's what makes strange art that's that's how I felt about Bo Burnham's Inside Mm. you could watch Inside and just be like I saw some critics of it being like I already know the world is fucked up I don't need to be reminded Mm. and I'm like yeah, but like we do need these kind of dark mirrors Yeah, because to me even if Bo gets dark in that special, and he does, mm-hmm. there's something inside me that's recognizing my own darkness, mm-hmm. and it's a safe mirror. Why is it safe? One, it's just two dimension. It's a two dimensional flat image yeah. that was curated and edited and has an intent. Yeah. So it's what we hope for reality that is bending towards some sort of meaning. Mm-hmm. But also, even though he goes into the depths of his despondency. It ended up being a product that was intended to entertain, delight, thrill, and titillate you. Mm. You know what I mean? So the medium itself is part of the message. And if there was a guy who was locked in a house for a year and was only sad, 
Yeah. There's no special. Right. So he had the updraft of hope behind his depression and his mm. low moments to turn it into art. And that is the message. Yeah. So I'm watching. I There should have been a reaction video of me, not not to share. I just would have liked to see my own reaction. Mm. Because I was like covering my face at points. I was sort of like wincing at other points. Mm. And I was like, that's... We need that. Why is it such a cultural phenomenon? We need these dark, strange mirrors. Yeah. And I'm all for a kinder, gentler external world. But we can't forget that as as progressed as we make reality, external reality, Mm. internal reality is always going to have weird witches and zombies and Draculas and way worse. Yeah. Creatures of the Black Lagoon that are tormenting and playing with us. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm saying... This is why every culture has monster stories. Mm. Not because there aren't necessarily monsters out there. There are monsters in here. And they need to be reconciled with. And then Freud comes along and calls it the unconscious. Jung takes the ball and runs with it. Mm -hmm. And that's what art and and conversation and life is supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that there is... um, Well, just to your point... For me, the game, <laughs> you're, you know, you're saying you're all for a kinder and gentler world, but we, we have these, these and I really monsters. Am. That sounds but, like a dismissive But thing. I don't I really think am. they are mutually exclusive. I think that for me, the practice is being kind and gentle to those monsters. Like, it's bringing kindness into that. And not to, like, diffuse To the inner them. ones. Yeah. Absolutely. To, to, like... You incorporate them. You incorporate them. You integrate them. And you have, yeah, you have like a curious kind of um, admiration for them. It's I'm thinking of like Moana and the the realm of the monsters. Yeah. You know, you're like cool. They like glow in the dark, and yeah. they're like spooky and yeah. kind of weird, and that's thrilling and that's fun, and you know, and that's how you can um, enjoy them. So it's not just like. Let the monsters eat you. That's part of it. You just have to let them eat you. Absolutely not. There's yeah. just like, you can be kind towards those monsters too. And really, they're, the monsters is a fun name for them. But you could also say these are your protectors. These are the different protectors that have been put into place. Or these are just parts of your psyche that are completely disinterested in the cultural standard of polity and civilization and legality like they're just feral yeah and that's what a monster is first and foremost is sharp tooth and non-rule obeying so what i heard you say is the work we do on our inner now it seems uncaring to call them monsters but our inner Mm. um less rascals our inner rascals (laughs) informs how we deal with the rascals that present themselves in Mm -hmm. physical reality. Mm -hmm. And just like uh, our inner rascals, sometimes the outer ones, the ones that we live here in the the three dimensions, Mm -hmm. arguably a four, five, twelve, um, (laughs) some of them belong in prison. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we all have parts of our psyche in in prison, and that's, maybe you visit them, but Mm -hmm. you keep the, the plates up. Yeah, the plate glass. You can nurture them and love them, even, but you don't necessarily let other people. If they, if it is a a part of your psyche that wounds other people, you can you can love that part and don't don't let that that out around other people. Right, right, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, 
It's interesting. Yeah, that is that's an interesting way to look at it. I think another thing that we love specifically about Cruella, it does tie into um wanting to please everybody and both of us got our identities and our safeties by being like the good the good one, the good the good ch- children. Oh and my God. so we love the liberation of Cruella to be like I'm I was, wicked. Yeah, because I was born to be bad. And maybe a little mad. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's so, so true. <laughs> I just had a real time micro epiphany while you were talking. Is like our identity was be so good that even the scariest monster mm. in the third in the real world, yeah, will just go like. Well, I can't eat a unicorn. Yeah. Look at this unicorn and it vomits Skittles. Yeah. It's like the most magical thing. Mm. You'd be so beautiful that the darkness wouldn't dare hurt you. Yes. And then you make an alliance with something else that's beautiful and you go, now we're a beautiful city and you can't, you can't like the, like the Wonder Woman city. You can't get us. We're all beautiful women and we're fierce. Yeah. And then... The advice that Jim Gaffigan gave me when I was starting out in comedy, I, I was like three years in, four years in, was he said, be undeniable. Mm-hmm. That's the same mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. That's why the dysfunction informed how I went about uh, making it in show business was go, just be undeniable. That's the same advice someone could have given me to make it in the Holmes family. Yeah, right. And of right. course... Comedy has a lot of people with interesting childhoods or whatever it may be because show business is like a strange, like when I say they're like alcoholic uh, fathers and mothers, I don't mean violent or screaming. Mm -hmm. I mean like hard to read and unpredictable and erratic and sort of like very flavor of the week and this and moving around. Like borderline. Like borderline and and just sort of unpredict. I like unpredictable. Mm -hmm. So if you were raised in a family that was predictable and then you come and you're riding horses and every Tuesday you eat Chinese food and watch, uh, you know, a Wes Anderson movie as Mm -hmm. a family. Mm -hmm. By the way, stay in that lane. That sounds pretty fucking great. Mm -hmm. And it's almost your duty to perpetuate a pattern of loving family. Please stay there and don't envy the clowns. Yes. The overpaid clowns that are juggling their own hearts. Yeah. For people's, you know, entertainment. Uh, I don't, I think you'd get into show business and potentially be like, what's going on? Yeah. You said this and now it's that. But if you were raised in like kind of an in irregular environment and you come into show business, you'll be like, oh Yeah. This is this is normal. I, I I understand this. Yeah. That's why when people I know get very disheartened when they're like, this project had heat on it and then it just went away. I'm like, mm-hmm. you never got promised a trip to Disneyland that didn't happen? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand. Yes. You mean to tell me in your house? And by the way, this isn't a, a specific example to my family. I wasn't like, there weren't like broken Disneyland promises. Mm-hmm. But like, it, it was still shifting sands Mm -hmm. for all of us. We're all like emotional and, Mm -hmm. and sort of inward and like kind of can read very confusing to the outside and to the inside, if I'm being honest. So that sort of set me up. Yeah. And I would, (laughs) in a good way. (laughs) And I think you, I can speak for you because 
also living in kind of with an unpredictable element um, to my family, I I started, you know, kind of inner... It becomes then about like, okay, unpredictability is not safe. So I'm going to try and control every interaction. Mm -hmm. And I did that by being like, if I mirror you and I am just exactly who you want me to be, then really I am controlling you because I'm making you feel safe, which then makes me feel safe. Val, you're talking to somebody who, when my parents visit, I only speak to my father, my brother, and my mother in impressions of them. Of them, I know. Not just mirroring, doing an impression of them. Yeah. And that's my safest place. Yeah, exactly. And I feel unsafe if I'm not in the mood to do it. But... I think that there is a part of me... So, I was going to say, for you, your safest thing is um, playing that game that, like, that you're so right, show business is perfect for, of, like, can you walk on eggshells here, and can you jump over the sinking sand here, and can, it's like an obstacle course. Right, and this and is a door know, you have to know, now is the time to use brute force and bash through this door. Yep. That's actually the good move. Yeah. yeah, and you know the rules of that game, and I think there is a, I think we seek that out, we seek out those situations because we're, we, it's the first sense of control that we had as kids. So, so you want to repeat them. Yeah, so I want to, I'll find myself wanting, like finding friends even that are not entirely safe because I'm like, if I can mirror them and make them. They might not be safe, safe, but I know the playbook to kind of twist it to make us both safe. And I, that's some more rewarding to this wounded part of myself than somebody who is just unconditionally safe because what that makes me feel if I can turn you then I have control I love it and what use are you if you have this tool belt if you have all these screwdrivers you want to go into a relationship unconsciously or maybe consciously that has a lot of loose screws yeah because you're like look I can do this and do that and now you're in control to your point yeah. and and the way that I felt that was like you're also useful like yeah what am I just gonna never use the now I, I have you I don't use screwdrivers like I don't yeah. I don't feel that need yeah and the the compartmentalization of my life going like there's show business here and it's just so different from our home life. I know we record this conversation and release it, mm-hmm. but the rest of the time, I'm deeply pleased at how unshowbiz yeah. it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's a very fine line, and I'm not even sure that there is a line, and I certainly haven't found it yet because this is a new concept. But we've we've talked about this, and we talked about it on the podcast with Tara Brock. Of, like, this idea of turning your wounds into wisdom, turning in these defense mechanisms and trading them or or just transforming them into your superpower. Mm-hmm. And how you did that for comedy and I did that for teaching mindfulness. And so, like, I don't know. Like, I am... I, I do think it's a fine line because I... On one hand, it's kind of a line that only you know. It's like... I can tell when I'm doing it in a dysfunctional way yeah. where I'm just trying to, to where I do feel unsafe and I'm just trying to 
yeah, like, like get some, safety in this. It's as obvious as being backstage again at the old theater and putting on the old costume. Yeah. The fake mustache and the bowler hat. And you're like, yeah. I'm in this play again? Yes. And you don't see a way out. Uh-huh. Of course, psychedelics and meditation and all these things have shown me that it's like, there's no play. You don't have to put on that costume. Yeah. But I'm the reason I brought up the text story is I'm not, not that anyone thought I was, but I like to remember and share that I am not impervious to one thing coming in my life. And, it, and suddenly I'm like... I'm wearing the suit, and I'm like, I have to go play a thing, and I'm out of here, and I can't be any of the free stuff that I talk about yes. without some effort. Yes. So I guess that, to use your example, then, it's like the difference between that, the like you, some, you get triggered and you feel unsafe, and you have the urge, you didn't do it, which is so admirable, but you have the urge to either say yes to something you don't want to, to say yes to, or to be like incredibly effusive and be like, uh, I don't like try to just do if a I dance. If I read that, that text felt. to DGP, he'd be like, "Come on, <laughs> yeah. yeah." I was too loving, but so that's the like kind of too the bubbly, the wounded part, um, which we can also love and is totally fine. And I mean, you also did handle it really well, but but you've alchemized that and do comedy from the same root cause. So that's the difference between like your superpower and your reaction to being triggered and wounded. Um, but it's a really subtle difference. Mm. Like one is more empower. It's the Joker and Cruella. Yeah. One is more empowering. One is look at what you've made me. I'm a victim. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? The I Joker, I, no, I think you articulated it perfectly. <laughs> Thank you. It's like Cruella is stand-up, yeah. and the Joker is me putting on the costume and going, fuck you! Yeah. Fuck you! I'm going to go on your show and shoot you. I mean, if that's not a paternal image, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix is in a movie that's basically a remake of Taxi Driver, mm. and he shoots the guy who played Taxi Driver. Wow. That's if that's cool. not his father... You know what I mean? Yeah. Psychologically speaking, why are we drawn to these things where we're like, you can't make me eat my fucking vegetables. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And nobody gets me but me. And then Cruella's like, some people, I, I'm only assuming Lin-Manuel Rand has been damaged in the way that all the artists have been damaged in some way, all people. Yeah. And you turn into fucking In the Heights, uh-huh. you know, which I, or Hamilton, you turn into... Cruella. Uh-huh. That's what it is. Yeah. Without a spoiler, there's like a moment where it's like literally beautiful garbage. Yeah. And you're like, that's what it is. Yes. And I thought you were also driving towards a point where like, okay, so uh, our wound turns into a superpower. And then that's like the first sort of alchemy. Mm-hmm. So you have this wound. Your wound is you mirror people. Then you alchemize it into, I will teach mindfulness. And now my wound is my skill. Mm-hmm. And then we need to find and encourage the situations where you can just hang the fucking cape up. Yeah. I don't... Right. That's That's peace. That's you. Yeah. You don't ask me to do my superpower. Right. And I'm not required to do my superpower yeah. with you. Yeah. Or my... Uh, I don't want to say true friends. I don't feel like I have false friends, but like my friends, like mm-hmm. the real friends. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to what I was saying. Mm-hmm. The real friends are, this sounds like a fucking meme, but it's like 
are the people that don't care which version of you shows up to the lunch that you plan. Yes, I have another way of figuring it out that's worked for me, and I bet you'll relate we're to this. We're out of time. This is how I feel doing everyone else's podcast. And we're out of time. I know. This is when this they would say we're out of time. Hour. I know. Thanks so much, uh, Pete Holmes. The book Could is you calm. imagine? I feel like we it's, just got started. It's the biggest breakthrough of podcasting. Is it starts in an hour? You're gonna love this, yeah. and maybe even be a little embarrassed that you oh, chose wait. a partner that would do this. I can't wait. I actually spent a good amount of my last therapy session, because ta- it was right after we had done the podcast with Tara, talking about how correct you are about ma- it being a long podcast, and I lo- I was like. Pete really figured out that people don't settle in until about an hour and that it takes a whole hour of like you being vulnerable and, and you showing that this is a conversation and not an interview. And like, it takes an hour of that for For people to to feel, to believe it and feel so safe that they will then open up. And she totally was on board with it. She was like, that makes perfect sense you know but um oh i love that i thought I just, you were gonna say something embarrassing no i just thought sometimes you get embarrassed the like i don't know because that's i'm so like on your side <laughs> and that's so like, beautiful supportive of that um i have a thought on that but finish your thought um okay so oh god now i i do feel like i lost it i was talking um, about oh i interrupted to talk about how well oh, fuck me Val. i'm yeah, so sorry that's okay we can find it no, I refuse to move on. <laughs> we were talking about the Joker. You're shooting your dad because he's uh, a taxi driver and yeah, the guy uh-huh. playing it. Yeah. And why do we love these movies? Because they're symbols. No, uh, you didn't even say that, I don't think. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cruella, it being empowering. Oh, and then I said, hang up the wisdom. cape. When do you hang up the cape? Oh, yes. Yes. So, friends, your real friends. I'm a podcast host. Yeah, you got it. Um, <laughs> you interrupt me again. Did that say that? <laughs> <laughs> See, you're a podcast host. Packing in the laughs. Um, I have found for me with and this might be specific to my my specific dysfunction because it is so exhausting to mirror someone. You basically disappear if you know, depending on to what extreme you have to do it. But I have found that my real friends and you, um, I can always tell by how I feel afterwards. So if I feel like I just hung, I just hung out with my friend Kate for four hours yesterday and I came home like buzzing, right? I was like, that's how it was with Reggie. Yeah, exactly. And you just, you feel like you were energized by it. You feel fed. Yeah. Whereas there are other people in my life that I can hang out with and I'm like, I have a headache. I feel nauseous afterwards. I'm so depleted. Because of course you are my darling. And I don't even mean that as my partner. (laughs) I mean like you child of God. Of course you are. (laughs) Look at this rigmarole. All of us, I'm talking to the listeners now, put ourselves through. Yeah. Of course you're fucking tired. Yeah. If you hung out with somebody. And it has nothing. It doesn't have anything that, that... activated the part of you. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. And it's as innocuous as, I keep saying innocuous, but it's as innocuous as one chemical compound being activated by another chemical compound. It's not yeah. necessarily 
personal yes. or something bad about this chemical compound. Yes. But when I was with you, I got a clear signal that to be safe or to have fun or to connect or to pass the time, I needed to do this, this, and this. And, and it when could I, be something that I totally projected on that person. Or, we don't know yes. where the catalysts are. Maybe on both sides of this catalyst. Like, you're just baking soda. And, <laughs> yes. And kind of to the point that you made before, it's like, to be fair to people who don't make me feel safe and to the credit of to people who do, you pretty much have to be a very sensitive person who also knows that they don't feel safe with just anyone because to be that type of friend that that hypersensitive people need. Yeah. You know, because I need a lot of reassuring that I'm safe. Not necessarily directly verbal, no, but with like body and subtle facial motions and a lot like I just yes. need a lot of reassuring that like I am safe, I can put the guard down. Um and some people, specifically people who don't need that aren't going to know to do that. So I just wanted to be in defense of the people who don't. Absolutely. It's not, it's really not just that. another thing. It's not personal. Yeah. It's this, it, all of reality is this exchange of just is what it is energies. Yeah. And that's why even yeah. with the da- dad saying, let's go on a trip and me being like, no, it's sort of like an is what it is exchange of energy. Yeah. And there's a temptation to throw a cloak on it. And be like, let's pretend it's this other thing. Mm. But not just in that situation, in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. And it's totally fair that you come home tired. And that's what DGP... Somebody did ask the question, what's the main thing you learned from DGP? Yeah. And, and that is one of them. It's just like, yeah. it's okay. He always said this. He said, the top corporations, it's so uncaring. But he was balancing out your overcaring energy. I would Absolutely. Think. Yeah. It sounds uncaring out of context. He's a very sweet, warm, compassionate mm-hmm. human being. Mm-hmm. And when I was talking about certain uh, people, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, certainly not exclusive to like family or anything, it's just like people in your life that when you leave them, you do have that headache and you do feel depleted as opposed to fed, whatever it might be, or you just realized your shoulders were tight and you were trying to keep them from raging, even though maybe they've never raged ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, he would say the top corporations, a lot of the top corporations in America fire the bottom 10% of the company every year. And it was that sort of hyper masculine. Mm -hmm. I don't mean boy parts. I just mean, we, we have that like, Ah, energy. Dropping the hammer. Just like one of those big, like an art class. <laughs> the big slicer. Yes. Oh, yeah. You just chop off because it's not personal and it doesn't yeah. have to be ugly. And back to our original point, it can be disappointing. Mm-hmm. Like how comforting it might be if I could be this person to go like, I know. It's like disappointing. It's like a good breakup. Yeah. And he would help me through breakups. You're yeah. going to regret this. I know. I might regret this. Yeah. I'm disappointed too. Yeah. Like I've also been in this relationship. <laughs> yeah. I also have been madly in love and had a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm making this choice to end it. Yeah. And you're you're not the only one hurting here. Yeah. I love like this, that. This stinks. Yeah. And when you say I might regret it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, his whole thing was like concede the point. Yes. It's nasty. I understand it might even feel mean or unexpected, but it's just like, 
I'm taking a chance. Yeah. I'm, I have to. Yes. The scales have tipped. Yes. And for me, it was always they've tipped so far, the scale is touching the floor. <laughs> yeah. So I had my mind made up by that point. Yeah. But even if your mind isn't made up, yeah. even if you're dating somebody in this hypothetical situation where it is fine, it's going great or it's going good. Mm. But you're like, it's not great. And I feel like I've given it enough time to know that. Yeah. And they're like, well, we should give it more time. You're right. Maybe we should give it more time. But like, I don't think so. But I just don't want to. Or I just don't want to. <laughs> is it okay to disappoint somebody? That's I the know. name of this episode. I and know. yes, it is. And by the way, it's okay. And how do I manifest that more in my life? I think I have a good shot by being easier to disappoint myself. Because one of the great parts of the work that I did on this very brief text exchange that I turned into deep psychological spelunking yeah. was I was worried that my dad was taking that personally. So the, mm-hmm. the thought of the wound was my dad takes everything personally. He mm-hmm. He's overreacting. And then when you do the turnaround, you go... I take everything personally. Of course. I am overreacting. Yes. And you go, fuck, when will this get old, Byron Katie? It never gets I old. I know. The biggest thrill of me for the work, when you say, um, my dad is disappointed in me, that's mm-hmm. the belief. And you go, how do you feel when you believe that thought? And I go, about two inches tall, mm-hmm. vulnerable, scared, alone, afraid, mm. alone. I already said alone, but like wet and cold and just, mm-hmm. ah, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Then you go, how would you feel if you didn't believe it? Mm-hmm. Because I don't know that I did. Yeah. I'm, it's all fiction. Yep. How would you feel if you didn't? And every time I do that, my body goes, oh, you want to see how it would feel to not believe that? Here you go. Yeah. It throws a switch and suddenly <sighs> like a wave pulling away from the beach and the sand is all smooth mm-hmm. and clean and flat and I feel spacious. And then you, you see the madness. Yeah. If you can choose between two delusions, mm-hmm. why not go with the one that keeps you open to what is, yeah. which is the reality that you're missing out on by even playing this past analyzing exercise yeah that's why i always try to remember because it has meant a lot to me at other times but it's um i believe it's uh oh shit i'm embarrassed saint it's one of the big saints it's not bonaventure but it's somebody big augustine maybe Mm. said i am who i am in god nothing more nothing less Mm. let's let's look at god in reality Mm. in the mystery Mm-hmm. And remembering the present moment that is that is right now. Mm-hmm. As you're listening, as we're talking, it's this. Mm-hmm. And when the anchor drops into this and the infinite potential and the unbelievable majesty mm-hmm. that is reality, mm-hmm. that is my hand moving molecules as it swipes through the air, exchanging molecules with the air, mm-hmm. with my chair, but here I am and there you are. That we can call God. And that is who you are. You are who you are in the mystery, which is only right now, nothing more, nothing less. Everything else is a story that malfunctioning or overfunctioning parts of your adaptive evolutionary brain, which were keeping you safe from saber-toothed tigers and making you build shelters because you get a sense that winter is coming, 
-hmm. It's now overreacting and robbing you from the richness of who you really are. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And who you really are is none of it. Mm -hmm. If I can be something and then a text shatters it, Mm -hmm. then why am I investing so much energy in insisting in every social interaction Mm -hmm. that that shatterable straw man is who I really am? Mm -hmm. No wonder you're sad and powerless mm-hmm. and, and lonely mm-hmm. because you're defending the wrong thing. Yeah. You are the, the phenomenon within which all things exist. At which you can only discover once that straw man is, has been blown away. Yeah. Like, so let it go. Let, let it, it go. Let it be destroyed. Like, let it go. <laughs> let it go. Um, but that's that's kind of it is one way through. And I tend to, as you know, be more of the like, just nurture it. I love this. And, this is when you death. need to do this. But but I was going to actually say another way through is what you've shown me um, is like. So let's say I'm in a, a, a social interaction that doesn't feel safe so i am i am dancing and performing you know and mirroring this person so that they will like me so that i will feel safe kind of the best thing that could happen is that they still don't like me and then that just blows it shatters the facade which would feel like death and would be a certain kind of death but after that I'm left with what is the the actual soft, supple, beautiful baby skin. Yeah. <laughs> Valerie, you whispered a truth into an egg, and then from the other side of a football field, you blew it, and it landed right in my butt. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, think of any <laughs> Zen teacher. Mm-hmm. What do they do with the student? Yeah. It's almost disrespect. Yeah. You're so earnest and bright-eyed and you're so good at meditating and you know all these quotes and they make you sweep the temple. Mm. They ignore you. Mm. Some of them would surprise you or play pranks on you. Mm. Just complete disinterest Mm -hmm. in your spacesuit, in your straw man, or to use the first metaphor we used, in your theater outfit with your fake mustache and your bowler hat. Yeah. They're not buying it. Yeah. They're not even buying their own. Mm-hmm. And the way that they can do that is what you just said, is by just giving it no credence, yeah. which starves. It's nasty. It's negative. It, it, you know, to the ego, it's, it's, it's death. It's uncaring. Mm. It's uncaring because, you know, as Ram does, I say this all the time, we spend most of our time telling each other that our costumes are on straight. Mm-hmm. And I see this as, as a public person. Way, I have a better vantage point than most. Mm. Are you willing to agree that I'm a special person? Mm. Where's my warm nuts? <laughs> That's it. Because I'm in this position, I have more opportunities to see through the illusion. Whether or not I use them, you know, I, I can't say I always do. Yeah. But like when you get to a show and your rider has been completely ignored. Yeah. We've learned this. Burn it down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat it. Mm-hmm. I want it. Mm-hmm. Like seeing the pain of feeling like I disappointed my dad. It's exquisite. Yeah. Seeing that's my Zen teacher. Yeah. Going, there's no fresh fruit here. Yeah. In fact, there's beef jerky. Because we don't even know you don't eat meat. Yeah. Here's beef jerky. Yeah. And I could go, 
hard into the straw man, mm -hmm. the straw man would say, let's get mad and let's make a phone call. I'm passive aggressive. So you'd be like, tell someone else to complain about mm -hmm. or fucking eat it. Yeah. Let it just like any pain can, especially these like small, small pains, energies are easier to work with. Mm -hmm. Eat it and let it drop your anchor and go, wow. Yeah. I thought, like if I was Prince in that moment, there's just beef jerky in the in the green room. Mm -hmm. You could go, fuck, I was lost. I really thought I was Prince. Yeah. It's Gandhi when he was in prison. They made him shovel the, the latrines or something, mm -hmm. something that mm -hmm. they were trying to degrade him. Mm -hmm. And he went up to one of the guards and, and hugged him mm -hmm. and said earnestly, thank you so much. Mm. I never understood that story. I heard that story years and years and years ago. I didn't understand it. And I just think I'm closer to understanding yeah. that if you're Gandhi, it's a double-edged sword. On one hand, you're zero, you're, you're complete, deep, enlightened transcendence. And on the other hand, you're a spiritual celebrity. Yeah. And then someone throws you in prison and makes you shovel shit. And that first part, your real self goes, oh, yeah. I thought I was Prince. Yeah. That's his, that's and his taking of imprisonment and shit shoveling and going, there's an exquisite gift here. I forgot. Because as Tara said, when she did our podcast, it was this week. Uh, if you so want to say this week's podcast. It was already podcast. out. This week's podcast. Sorry. Oh, no. I, no, I, I just, kidding. for people listening, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't I, want to lose it. Listening. I don't want to lose okay, it. Okay, go. Okay, so. Um, Good love. Um, so, to her point, like, when you buy into the specialness, you actually feel way. That's it. Le way more separate. So, it really is this, this, not even necessarily indirect, but you could say, like, a roundabout way of loving it's a maybe not as immediately obvious way of loving um for like in that moment what gandhi was probably experiencing was i was built i was buying into my own separateness which means i was having a or my own specialness which means i was feeling separate and having an attachment that was causing all of the suffering and that's completely gone now. Yeah, Thank you. That's right. You've you and it makes me think of it's not exactly a one for one comparison, but it's it's making me think of um how we're learning and we learned in our parenting sessions that it's like there are these five ways of connection to your child that all off track behavior is a sign that it's them kind of asking you for connection. They need connection. And there are these five main ways to connect. And one of them is setting limits. And it's just that idea. It's the more masculine kind of way of loving, which is, is like, I'm going to, it's fierce. It's fierce. It's fierce. Exactly. I'm going to, um, set these boundaries and show you where the walls are. And it might not feel like love right now, right? but it actually is a hundred percent allowing for us to be connected and for you to feel safe. That's what Rob Bell told us. We asked him for parenting advice and we were like, what do you do? This hasn't happened, but what do you do? You take your kid to Disneyland mm -hmm. or whatever, six flags and they're freaking out mm -hmm. uh, over something. And it's like some, he said, sometimes, 
the best thing you can do to comfort a child in a situation with limitless possibilities of how to have your happiest day yeah. is to say, we're going to go on Thunder Mountain, mm-hmm. we're going to eat lunch, mm-hmm. we're going to go on Space Mountain, then we're going to go on Indiana Jones, then we're going to go. Yeah. And sure, I, I couldn't believe that Rob wouldn't be adaptable to change. Yes. But like, that's the comfort. Yeah. And you really need both energies. And I really love that about you. I feel like you balance this we balance each other out so much, but it is like, let's say you have, you know, something that triggers your child self to feel unsafe. I really believe in the nurturing, you know, methods that I say all the time on this podcast. And there is sort of this like skillful way of also bringing in some masculine energy of like, all right, can I let this go? Or, like, can we stop ruminating about this? this that's enough, you right. know? And it's actually kind. It's un, it's kind unkindness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, like, one of my ways of doing it is is saying that's just a thought. Like, in, in kind of a DGP spirit way where I get a thought that's like, oh, my God, am I going to fall into a depression when I get pregnant again? And I go, eh, that's just a thought. <laughs> Val, it's just a thought. Here's my whole trip this past couple of weeks. I've been doing all this research on DMT and listening to Terrence McKenna talk about DMT. And and I'm so susceptible to just listening to... And I called Shane Moss yeah. uh, yesterday. We talked for three hours. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is... What a gift. Yeah. Reggie Watts, Shane Moss, deep bench of fucking crazy great people. This is the yeah. gift of life. Yeah. And they don't have to be famous people. If you have a good bench, it's gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. So anyway, talking all this stuff about like really powerful psychedelics has brought me into the magic of this. We mm-hmm. always talk about Jesus as a faithless generation asks for a sign. Mm-hmm. And what I think he's saying in that moment, or one of the things he might have been saying in that moment, is like, the miracle is here. Yeah. This is the miracle. Yeah. And it's a fucking trip. That one of the things that we mainly do Mm. while stewing in a miracle Mm. of Mm. infinite potential and unbelievable beauty and all this myriad of like sensory possibilities. Yeah. And I'm talking about like, I'm not saying go out and eat ice cream. I'm saying ask yourself what it would feel like to not believe a thought. Then you blossom and explode like the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. It was right there. Mm -hmm. We could be doing this, Mm -hmm. but instead we replay the past Mm -hmm. and we try to predict the future constantly. Yeah. And then your brain, I know we always say this, but Muji says, no one has ever experienced the future they imagine. Yeah. That's a great mantra. Yep. We just did a, a, a private show. I I didn't waste a lot of time, but I noticed that I had a complete mental image of how it was going to go. Couldn't have been more off. Yep. Completely different. Yep. So let's stop doing that. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like a prescription for sanity. Mm -hmm. Stop. I understand there's a certain benefit to maybe playing out a job interview or being on the stand in court. Yeah. But you know what most of life isn't? A job interview (laughs) or being on the stand in court. So it's like, here you are, like irrefutably in 
a mystery, mm-hmm. in a dance, in a play mm-hmm. of color and light and sensation and potential and ever-expanding novelty. You can tend to tell I've been listening to Terrence McKenna. <laughs> novelty meaning ever-growing complexity. We live in a world with virtual reality and I can be in touch with fans over Instagram and this and that. It's just constantly forging, the universe is forging newer and newer connections and all of this stuff is expanding. Don't waste your time going, when I, here's one, I met the assistant of a uh, famous person and I asked them if they came into the office every day and they said yes and then kind of told me what they did. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't spend a lot of time, but I spent too much time wondering if I sounded patronizing when I was like, mm. basically, because I was saying, what do you do all day? Mm. But really what I was saying was, no, really, like, tell me what this job is like. Yeah. But then I was like, I hope she knew that. Yep. And then you have to go, you have to be like Gandhi and go, oh, fuck. I thought that was, like, let it go. Yeah, let it go. Maybe she, worst case scenario, she did misunderstand you. And is it okay to disappoint people? Yeah, it just comes back to that. And I it love is. It. It's okay to disappoint people. It's a very human natural people disappointed people before this people will disappoint people after this take your place in the line of sometimes pleasing and sometimes disappointing souls that have always been and always will be yep yep i love it i have a poem too oh why don't you read it no no i I don't have one i just was looking oh really i I sadly um have something at 3 30 oh right i was wondering why we were Wrapping it Sorry, up. Sorry, do you feel like you're you've I'm cutting you short? If there's okay, if I've learned two things. <laughs> one, the podcasts really start cooking after an hour. And two, try to end while you're still enjoying it. <laughs> yes. An example of that not being the case is the Avid Brothers, and I would say this to Scott and Seth, is I took it too long because I flew mm. to North Carolina to be with them. Mm. So we ended up talking for like four hours. I should have gone like, look, I know uh, we could keep going, but let's stop. Mm. People, fans of that podcast might be like, I'm so glad you kept going. I hope they would feel that way. But it's good to end while we're still feeling fresh and have energy for the day. And while the people listening still have energy for the day. I'm going to give myself the gift of the music. Oh. Because last time I did a poem, we didn't. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, It makes a difference. It does. Why the internet chooses now not to work. I can put it on my... Oh, here we go. Oh, fuck. It started working again, and there we go. Here's the music. As always, it's Jim No PD Number 1 by Eric Satie. And it's uh, Mary Oliver, and we've maybe even read this on the pod before, but who cares? Mm. It came through on Jack Cornfield's Instagram. He's uh, a great follow on Instagram. Great follow. Jack underscore Cornfield with a K. It's called Mysteries, Yes. Truly, we live with mysteries too marvelous to be understood. How grass can be nourishing in the mouths of the lambs. How rivers and stones are forever in allegiance with gravity, while we ourselves dream of rising. How two hands touch and the bonds will never be broken. How people come from delight or the scars of damage to the comfort of a poem. Let me keep my distance, always, from those who think they have the answers. Let me keep company, always, with those who say 
look and laugh in astonishment and bow their heads. It's Mary Oliver. She's the queen of our hearts. Could barely get through it. I know. It's so beautiful. Thank you for that. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Crispy. Crispy. Listen to the wind.